0: and I'm looking forward to hearing this exposition of the the prayer from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21 but I wanted to let you know a little bit about how how it's Paul's leading into this prayer for the Ephesians he he begins by expressing the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ Ephesians 1:3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places God has given us he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing we give thanksgiving and prayer because of that it is by grace through faith that we are saved he speaks about that at the beginning of chapter 2 and because of that we have become one in Christ Christ has united us as believers and then he transitions from that for this reason I Paul a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. He talks about the mystery of the gospel revealed, and then that transitions him now into this prayer. It's because of what God has done, because of what Christ has done for him and how he has brought the church together that he can now pray in this way. But before we pray, let us ask the Lord for his help in understanding this passage. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to sit under the preaching of your word. We're thankful that you have given us your word, that we can read it and understand it. And we thank you that you have ordained ministers to to preach this word, explain it to us. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear this truth. Soften our hearts to respond to this truth in a way that brings you glory, that we would be convicted and edified. And Lord, that we would experience even greater unity because of this passage, because of this prayer. Lord, we ask that you would make this prayer our prayer, that we would join with Paul in praying these things for one another. It's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Read with me Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Jack, would you bring us the word?
1: Now, can I use this stool? Is that all right? Did you do that for me? You don't mind if I sit on a stool here? My 90 year old legs sometimes, after I preach for two hours, they get a little shaky. No, don't worry. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for your good introduction for your good words. We want to just share our hearts with you today and share from God's word. The older I get, the more I love the fact that God has given us a written record. Isn't that good? He didn't leave us, you know, just to wander on our own to find some spiritual experience. He gave us his written word, and it is God's word to our hearts. And it's one of the things I love about the prayers of the Bible, and Paul gives a number of them, especially in his letters, letters to the church at Corinth, especially here to his letter to the church at Ephesus. The letter to the church at Ephesus is perhaps the most spiritual of all of Paul's letters. We've uh, been through Romans with our people. Took us almost four years to get through Romans. And great doctrines of the church and that we in Reformed theology hold dear to our hearts. When it comes to the book of Ephesians, there's a spiritual touch. And many scholars believe that this letter was a circular letter. Because in some of the ancient manuscripts, they found the word Ephesus taken out. So they believe it circulated to all the churches, and that would make an awful lot of sense, because this letter is so spiritual and takes us into the inner sanctuary of our experience with God. And one thing about the prayers, you know, we preachers are always saying, "Well, Paul says this, or Peter says this, or James says this," or you know, that's not really true, but we do say that. It's really the Holy Spirit who is speaking. And the Holy Spirit who is writing and used Paul and used Peter and used James and used John and used these prophets of old to speak his word through. And God uses his men to do that. And yet the truth is that this is God speaking. So when Paul says, I pray to the Father, it's actually God saying, this is my heart for you. So don't just write it off and say, well, Paul was just praying, you know, Ephesians Church had, they needed this, or the Church of Corinth, especially, you know, all that they needed. But this is God's prayer for all believers, for all who've been regenerated, for all who've come to faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that the church, this is our position in Japan. Every now and then we have non believers who will attend our service. But our fellowship is a fellowship of believers, and our message is a message of God to His people to see them grow in grace and understanding of God, to see their lives transformed, to see them become salt and light in the Japanese culture, in the Japanese society, in the office, the workplace, or in their families. I wish we had time today to just go into all the conflicts, especially in families. Keiko was the only one in her family. Some of you may remember her testimony two years ago. She gave it her, that for five years, her father never talked to her because of her faith in Jesus. But that's still going on in Japan. They're not, we don't have any Jesus haters like you have in America. We don't have any, any real outward opposition to the gospel in Japan but we just have complete indifference. It's nice that you're a Christian, but I'm a Buddhist, or I'm Japanese. And so they have absolutely no interest, nor do they feel a need in their heart for that spiritual life that is ours in Christ. And so I I say that to say that as our people gather together We are teaching Christians to see the church grow in grace and in knowledge and then to see them go out and touch the society, touch the culture with their lives and be light and salt. And sometimes that's all you can be in Japan. I've been to oh so many funerals, Buddhist funerals. Keiko's family, her uncles and her aunts and all that. For many years I was in Japan with my first wife and our daughter is here today with us. We lived in Japan for many years before the Lord took Jerry home to be with him. But we were missionaries, and we touched the lives of Japanese, but we really didn't know the heart and core until the Lord took Jerry home and then brought Keiko into life 22 years ago. We've been married for 22 years now, sharing God's truth together. But I began to see and understand what Japanese family. And how the depths of Buddhism have reached in Shintoism and Taoism and Confucianism, that it wraps itself around the Japanese heart. And you drive Toyota cars, you drive Nissan cars, you drive Mazda, you drive all the Japanese cars. But in every one of those factories, in every one of those offices in Japan, on their roof is a shrine to Buddha to Shinto, every one of them, without exception. So although it's a modern country, they're an empty people. We've been to so many funerals, and I tell you, the hearts hurt like your heart hurts. Loneliness like you experience Loneliness. But they have a God with eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear and lips that cannot speak. Nor is there any breath in them. And they go away empty without any hope. One thing God said to me after being a young missionary going to Japan, I wonder why you brought me here. These people are so gracious. These people are so kind. These people are so good. But I realize there are people without any hope. And our hope is in Christ. We're studying the book of First Peter now, you know, and Peter talks about a place being reserved in heaven just for us. What a hope the believer has. The rest of the world knows nothing about it. And so God's word is powerful and works in hearts, and Paul is here talking to the Christians in Ephesus, he's talking to If you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you have not been regenerated, listen close. But Paul's praying for the church, for you. He starts off, you know, by saying to those who are chosen to him before the foundations of the world, isn't that great? And Peter starts his letters by to the elect in Christ Jesus. And now Paul says, I bow before the Father in heaven, whom the whole the families of the world. Of course, he means God's families. We all gather our, get our name from, from our loving Heavenly Father, and that's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father. And so he's talking about here, Brad, I appreciate Pastor Brad, mentioning the unity of the church of Jesus Christ, because he's talking about the church, and we all have the same Father, whether it be the church in Ephesus, or whether it be the church in Fresno, or where are we, Clovis. I have to remember where we are sometimes. Or whether it be the church in Japan, or whether it be church in Myanmar, Keiko and I have had the privilege of, of traveling all over the Asia and many countries of the world and sharing in our testimony and in our message with young people, young university students, and Christ's message. And we've met the Christians. We went to Myanmar, which formerly was Buddha, and Japanese during the war had... Attacked Buddha or a Burmad controlled it, and when we went over there, we went to a Christian church, and they met Keiko and said, we didn't, we've never met a Japanese Christian before." And they hugged her and embraced her. And they laid aside all that had gone on in history and embraced together because of the oneness in the body of Christ. And when Paul begins to pray, he said, "I bow, I bow the knee before the Father." You know that 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 shows his earnestness, that shows his passion. I'm an old guy. There's thing I miss in the church is passion. I don't see it in the young pastors, and I, I long to see it. Paul had a passion. That's why he knelt, you know, in Paul's day, we usually they stood in the temple when they would preach or when they would pray. When he said, I kneel before the Father, it shows this was something that gripped his heart. That he longed to see happen. And we long to see it happen. We long to see this prayer that the Holy Spirit prayed through Paul. For all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed and is profitable for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And you know, we nobody likes to be rebuked, and we don't like to be corrected and People, some of them, don't even like to be instructed. But that's what God does. And the Holy Spirit does that. That's what the Word of God is all about. It's to make you what God wants you to be. And that's what this is all about. It's not to build a church, not to build a denomination, but to change hearts and lives and bring them into the kingdom of God. And God uses the church to do that. And salvation is of the Lord. And he builds his church. And one of the things that we often say in relax in Japan, you know, when I came to an understanding of Reformed theology, it was the greatest release of the Spirit in my heart. I had tried so hard to win them to Jesus. Then I found out, stop trying, Jack. It's all of God. And he has his people. And we have seen God reach into the hearts and miraculously transform lives. Keiko was sitting in a morning service when she heard the truth. And all at once, something clicked in her heart. and clicked in her mind, and she saw it. Tears rolled down her cheeks, and she came to my first wife, to me after the service, and said, I understand it. I see it. I've never convinced anybody to be a Christian until the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of God's Word. It'll never happen. But we have to faithfully proclaim it, and God will take it and energize it. And it'll be the work of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. That's his work, not ours. And It's the greatest release in the world to my ministry. And since then, I've seen God work so many hearts, and we have to bow before him in humbleness, humility, and tears and say it's all of God. It's all of God. Now, Paul prays that that these people might, out of God's riches, and I appreciate Somebody said that. Did you say that, Brent, today, about the riches of God's grace? It's so marvelous in this scripture. He has an abundance of riches. But they're spiritual blessings, spiritual riches. Sorry about that. But when he said in the early verses of of Ephesians that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, they are spiritual blessings. And you have them. You need to draw upon them and hold them great to your heart. And it's out of his abundant riches. You know, last week I spoke at uh, Sierra View and I spoke from Peter when Peter said... um, you know, you are chosen people. You are a people of God's choosing. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people belonging to God. Hey, that's, that's the believer. That's the believer in Jesus Christ, whose life has been transformed, who's come to know a living God, who reveals himself through your heart. That's who you are, and it's out of the abundance of his riches, he's called you unto him. Dr. Packer, I mentioned earlier that he was <clears throat> Keiko's mentor, and you know, he's written a wonderful book, In Step with the Spirit, if you read it on Galatians, it's a great, it's a great study of Galatians, of Galatians, he said, you know, most Christians are just absolutely too easily satisfied, and he's right. And he also made the statement that spirituality in America is 3,000 miles wide and about one half inch thick. And I'm afraid he's right about that too. Because sometimes it's no secret that we as, as Reformed theology people, that we like to cross our T's and dot our I's, but we're weak on spirituality. And sometimes structure is more important to us than spirituality, and that cannot be not if you listen to Paul and the Holy Spirit's writings to the early church that are just as relevant to the church in Clovis as it was then. Out of his great riches, that he might transform your life. Now get this, please. And that he might strengthen the inner being. That's what God's interested in. He's interested in your heart. We say it so glibly. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's what God's interested in. And I think Pastor Brad would say that's what this is all about. It's all about a heart change that the Holy Spirit can bring about in your life. And sometimes we get all tangled up in how many elders and how many deacons and how we can do this. I know. And we miss the very purpose even of the church, for fellowship of believers, to see us grow in grace. First Peter said, just like a a young baby, you know, can't wait to get the milk. And as a new baby desires milk, the key word there is desire. So you desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And it's not just for beginning Christians. It's for all Christians that we have a longing desire for the word of God because it goes into our hearts and helps us grow. And God's concerned about the inner person. And that's where your problems are. We struggle with ourselves. When Paul begins to talk about sanctification, I know you're studying that in Sunday school, but he begins to name those things that you are to get rid of in your life. He told, First Peter says, rid yourself of all malice and anger and wrath and jealousy and all of these things. I, I'm a, I love sports, you know, and I love Nikes theme. Logo, I guess you'd call it. Just do it. Isn't that good? Just do it. Rid yourself of these things through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because God's interested in the inner person. You can come every Sunday. That's beautiful. But God wants to know that something's happening inside of you. That you're growing in grace and an understanding of the Lord Jesus. That you're more gracious and more loving. You're a better husband. You're a better wife. You know what Japanese husbands tell their wives who come to Keiko's Bible class? Keep going to Mrs. Marshall's Bible class because you're, you're my better wife when you do. Isn't that good? And that's what ought to happen in our homes. Because God lives her. And that's what Paul says. He talks about Jesus living in your heart, that Christ might be at home in your heart. That's what he means, that Christ might dwell in your heart. And you say, well, I'm a Christian. Of course he dwells in my heart. Well, you're right. Absolutely. But Paul's taking it up a notch. He's talking about dwelling in your heart to where he feels at home in your heart. He just loves being in your heart. Keiko and I live together. You're probably happy to know that. But Keiko's in the kitchen, you know, and she's she's fixing yakisoba or whatever we have in Japan, you know, all those good dishes. And I'm in the front room and I'm watching my beloved Hanshin Tiger baseball team, you know. And and, uh, hey, I'm not talking to Keiko, but I'm conscious that Keiko's in my home and she's in my house and she loves me and I love her. And that's what Paul's talking about. That Christ might dwell in your heart to the place where this week, tomorrow morning, 24-7, you possess the power of the Holy Spirit in your life through the very residence of Paul, of Jesus, living in your heart, working through you, occupying every room, getting up in the morning and saying, Good morning, Lord. Start singing a song instead of being grumpy. They asked the lady if she ever woke up grumpy, and she says, no, I let him sleep. But, you know, you you can have the joy of the Lord in your heart. That's what Paul, Paul's talking about you. He's talking about the inner man. He's talking about how you live. He's not talking about a church service, and he's not talking about some great charismatic experience that you might have. He's not even talking about five steps to spirituality. He's talking about a relationship between you and God. Isn't that good? You come here and get fed, get blessed. You got a great guy and a pastor, and you, you, you love this church. But you know, tomorrow morning, it ought to be just the same in your heart because that's your home. And in your heart is a little throne where Jesus sits. I love to wake up in the morning and just say, Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Lord. And, you know, sing a little song. I, I sing a lot. I drive or crazy, I'm sure, because they sing so much. But uh, I was brought up in the church. My dad was a Baptist pastor. I was brought up in hymns, and I just can't get them out of my heart. And the Lord uses hymns like he uses a scripture to bless me and to encourage me. And it's it just his presence is there with me. And that's why I can tell you 90 years, gets better and better and gooder and gooder. Someone asked Billy Graham just before he passed away. They said, Billy, what would you do different? And he thought very carefully, and he said, well... I would pray more. Secondly, he said, I would meditate more. You know, we in Asia know a lot about meditating because they talk about meditating. But so does Psalm 1. Blessed is a man. And he meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. And in this law, does he meditate and does he rejoice? Learn to meditate. Get alone with God and experience his presence. This is all knowing God. That's the desire of the heart of the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your life, every believer in Jesus. That Christ may be at your home, at home in your heart more and more. Rooted and grounded in love. (laughs) Isn't that good? You say, me? Yes, you. Rooted and grounded in love. You see, it's all about love. And I know You know, we got doctrines, and that's more important than love. Well, I don't know, but love was a motivating factor in everything that God did. In sending Jesus to the cross, that was motivated by love. Even sending Jesus to earth in the form of a little baby one day 2,000 years ago, being born through the Virgin Mary in the natural process of birth, but conceived of the Holy Spirit, that was all an act of love. And the songwriter had it right when he said, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. It's all love. Read John's gospel. Three letters, all about love. And John gives us the most complete and the most brief definition of God when he says, God is love. And you know, some people are just difficult to even let God love them. You've got to just open yourself and say, God, love me, Lord. And meditate on Him And think about those things. We live in a city of, of probably four or five million people right around us. And we, have a, we live on the 29th floor. And I go out on that balcony, and all, all I see is rooftops and buildings all around us. But I look up at the sky. <laughs> I have to because that's where I see the blue and I see the natural. And I talk to God, and I meditate, and I think, and And he gets, just fills me sometimes, so much. Learn to meditate, think about God. Now he prays that you might have power with all of the Lord's people to know the dimensions of God's love. You see, he wants us to know that. He wants you to know that with the height, the depth. He wants you to know all about God's love and experience it in your heart. He says, I've been coming to church for years, but I don't know if I really experienced God's love. Well, that's where it all starts. It all started with God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you open your heart to the love of God. The song or another song I've, I've <clears throat> that wrote, oh, the love of God states that if we could with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretch from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how deep and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure, the Saints and angel song. I hope you know God's love. All the dimensions of God's love. Let Him love you. Some people have been hurt so bad. They've been hurt in church. They've been hurt with wrong doctrine. They've been hurt with people who have done wrong things to them. And they don't know how to let people love them. Let alone God. But to open your heart and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. You love me. And everything goes wrong because, you know, even even the trials in your life come because God loves you. He loves you so much that he won't leave you like you are because that's not good. He wants you to be something precious, something good. Remember that chorus, all my confusion, he understood All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, and he made something beautiful of my life because he loves me so much. You know, that's just as much a part of Reformed theology as any other doctrine that we have. And if I remember Westminster Confession, the first thing is to know God and enjoy him forever. We missed that one. Well, let's go on. Mentions of God's love, how wide, how deep. And then it's like, it's like he wants to, you know, close it all and said, to know his love and the fullness of God in your life. You say, well, is that possible, really? Well, it, later on in this book, you know, he says, don't be drunk with wine. But he said, be filled with the Spirit. Now that's imperative. He's not saying it would be nice if you guys would put a little more emphasis on the Spirit. No, he said, be filled with the Spirit. And what he meant by wine, don't be under the influence because that didn't influence you and any, you know what happens. My brother was a rescue mission superintendent. My early years, I, I helped him and I lived with alcoholics and I know how wine can consume and change a person. But he said, don't let that happen, but let the Holy Spirit control you and be filled with the Spirit so we can know the fullness of God. This is, this is a desire filled to the full with the fullness of God. So, said, well, Jack, those are good. You know, thank you for making those statements, but I don't know. I don't think that could ever happen to me. Well, you're right. But I want you to know how God, the Holy Spirit, closed this. Unto him who is able to do unseedingly abundant in your life what you could ever think or even imagine. He can do it. God can change you. God can transform your life. God can help you out of that hole you're in now. God can help you out of that situation. We're talking about the God of creation who lives within my heart and his spirit has borne witness with my spirit that I am a child of God and he will do exceeding Abundantly, above all that you could even ask or even think. Amen. Let's pray. Father, these are truths that are beyond us. They're truths that no man could come up with. But you and your love and power and concern and care for your people, want to make of us something of honor and glory and praise. Do it, Father. And may we open our hearts to you. Thank you for love, loving us all. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the power of the gospel. Thank you for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, do this work for all of us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you, Jack. I want to invite everyone to stand. Our.